All right, fellow fact checkers, we've got a brand new sponsor, and I am excited to promote this product. It's Fox and Sons Coffee. Now, Fox and Sons Coffee is a family-owned and operated small business selling whole bean, organically roasted, amazingly good coffee. On their website, Steve, the company's founder, describes how his love of coffee started with special Saturdays with his dad when he was growing up. Steve wants to share his love of coffee with you and the entrepreneurial spirit with his sons. Check out the website, foxnsons.com. And take a look at their best offer. A monthly subscription for three bags of coffee with free shipping for $38.89. Also, Steve's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He follows us on the morning after as well as here on Fact Check This Podcast. Steve is a great dude. Great company to support. So go check out Fox and Sons Coffee. And get your morning started off right with a bag of delicious Fox and Sons Coffee. Let's start the show. Fact check this podcast, and today I am rejoined by Pete Quinones, and we are going to talk about Nazi book burnings. So I feel like everybody knows that the Nazis burned books. Like you learned that in elementary school, right? Like everybody knows that the Nazis burned books. But the interesting thing growing up and studying more about history and what actually happened is they really don't talk about what was being burned. Like it, it makes it out that, you know, our our history classes that we learn in in school, they make it seem like the Nazis were just destroying, you know, good uh, intellectual type of stuff. Like they were just burning books real willy nilly and and uh, trying to like destroy culture and society. But when you find out what they were actually burning and then you look at that in the lens of what's going on in modern society, man, shit really starts to make a lot of sense, doesn't it? So that's why I asked Pete on today. And uh, Pete, let's uh, let's just kind of let's just kind of jump right into it because I feel like there's a lot that we could cover, um, and uh, and I want to be respectful of your time and not not, not spend three hours on this because we could probably do that pretty easily. But uh, let's just kind of jump right into it. Like, what are some of the things maybe? that were taught that are just abjectly wrong as far as Nazi book burnings go. Well, I mean, were they trying to destroy a culture? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a culture of degeneracy. Uh, I think what most people don't know is that most people know that Weimar had inflation problems. That's probably the most common thing that you learn. Um, you, you also don't learn that they had, Basically, after the blockade was lifted, um, World War One, ending of World War One, starting in 1918, the the Allied forces, um, Britain, the United States, 
Um, I think they were called the Allies in the First World War. Okay? They were called it in the Second World War. But the they basically put a blockade on Germany and Austria that was a starvation blockade. Um, I'm reading a a diary right now by Anne Eisenmenger. It's called uh, The Diary of a Middle Class Austrian Woman. And it goes from 1914 to 1924. But the most important parts are 19, uh, 1918 on, where you see that basically <laughs> the United States and their allies are trying to starve the Germans and the Austrians to death. So this... <laughs> this blockade diary is talking about how she's like, well, it, it looks like we're at about 1500 calories a day. Now, a couple weeks later, it's like, oh, we're at 1200 calories a day. Now, then it got to the point where it's like, where, where are we getting food from? And they basically tried to <laughs> starve these people to death and kill them. They did the same thing after world war two, mind you. And when you look into exactly what was introduced into it, so you, you have that basis, you have all these people who were basically starved to death. And now the government in Germany is forced because of the Treaty of Versailles to pay back war reparations that they weren't even responsible for. And then you start seeing open prostitution, men, women, children, you start seeing porn. Porn comes in out of no. Where did all this porn come from? How did porn get here? We can't get food, but we can get porn. That's amazing. And then you know, places like the Institute for what, what 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 do they call it to make it sound? The Institute for Sexology opens up, which is basically a gay a gay brothel. Um, it's it's a transgender LGBT clinic disguise that basically is a gay brothel. And they're using this as a, they're also doing these things. They're doing transgender surgeries. They're, this is the prototype. So <laughs> you, you might think that a, the, you know, the people who were brought up in the Prussian empire, especially the older people and the people who fought in world war one were like, what the hell is happening to our country? So that's just basically the background of it. And you know, books are flooding in and communists are all over the place. And the, the, you know, the national socialists are fighting them in the streets. There's basically civil war in the streets. People are being murdered in the streets every day. And um, yeah, someone steps up and says, we're a proud German people, proud Prussian people. And we don't deserve this. We can, we need better. And we need to get rid of this element out of the country. And, you know, once they get power, there's, you know, a couple things that you want to, you know, I mean, be, even before they got power, they just started having to get rid of certain things. And if you want to, if you want your country to go back to what it once was, instead of this basically turning it into the United States of 2022 then things are going to have to be done. And one of the things they did, which I think was a huge mistake, was burning books. Because when in the future, when you do stuff and people say, wait a minute, why are you doing that? You should probably have the evidence on hand to say, oh, this is why we're doing it. Because this stuff is flooding our country, flooded our country and is corrupting our children and our culture is being distorted. 
And um, yeah, so yeah, we can start there. <laughs> yeah, when you just look at it on its face, um, the things that they were the things that they were burning, I get it. Like it, it makes sense because you do you do want to purge that stuff from your society. But like you said, at the same time, like then then you're then you're deleting the evidence. And I, I guess you know, as the the saying goes, uh, the victor will write the history books. And you know, at the time, they didn't know that they weren't going to be the victors. So I guess it it makes sense. You can do what you want and and uh, write the history to match it later. But but yeah, there is a a lot to be said for not keeping any of the evidence of like, this is, this is what we're trying to, to get rid of. I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this, uh, about this specific topic. And, and we were just kind of discussing, you know, what was it that they were burning when they were burning the books? And he's like, well, you know, they never really talked about that. The, the uh, when you learn about it, they just say that they were burning books and, and depending on who your teacher was and, how propagandized they are. They might even go so far as to say that they were burning Bibles and stuff like that, <laughs> but there's no evidence of any of that. And no evidence at all. Yeah. In fact, it's quite the contrary that that wasn't at all the case, but like that's, if you do get anybody who can tell you what they supposedly burned typically in like, uh, you know, education, that's what they'll go to. They don't actually know. And and honestly, yeah. they don't want to know. So one of the things that really struck me, which you you mentioned it uh, kind of in the the history of all of this, was they really aggressively went after anything that was uh, communist or Marxist. They, they burned all of that stuff. The, uh, the historical war between communism and uh, the National Socialists was really really kind of the, like that's kind of the the war within the war right like, oh that no was justin it was just it was just a couple of authoritarians fighting for authoritarian control <laughs> yeah exactly uh so like, it that is an interesting you know war within the war there and then and then uh democracy is also thrown into the mix uh let's talk about the the that side of it the the communism side of it and the the Nazi opposition to that and and specifically targeting those types of books and literature for removal, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, they burned Karl Marx, um, Friedrich Engels, Karl, Kaut, Karl Kautsky. And the reason they did is the communists were their sworn enemy. And you know, the first thing that a very intelligent person of an IQ of about 95 will want to point out is that they were socialists. Okay, the national socialist. Sure. I mean, read if you read um, the fascist manifesto by Mussolini and, um, and Gentile, you will see there there's socialism in there. But the, so the socialism that's in there, it's not it's not Russian kind of socialism there. Russian socialism finally, well, it, it originally took an international bent, especially when um, well, I was going to talk about him later, but Trotsky, um, they burned Trotsky's books because Trotsky was an internationalist. He believed that like a lot of libertarians believe libertarian universalists that, um, you know, communism is for everyone. 
and that it has to be spread throughout the world in order for it to work. And there's a lot of people who believe libertarianism needs to be spread throughout the world in order for it to work. Good luck in Afghanistan, buddy. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but they were nationalists, you know, and then people will say, well, Hitler wanted to Hitler wanted to take over the world. He did. Huh? What evidence do you have of that? Give me the proof of that. He was a national socialist. Oh, what about Austria? He saw Austria as part of the German people. He was bringing in all the people. I mean, you know, and then well, if he, if he was wanting to take over the world, how come he left Spain alone? How come he left? Um, why, why did he leave Portugal alone? Why were there so many countries that were just left alone? You know, well, they were allies. Why, why would Hitler have allies if he just wanted to take over the world? Why would he allow them to be Spanish? Why were there national socialists fighting on the side of the nationalists in the Spanish Civil War from 19, in 1936? You know, fighting against the communists. You know, that's what the Spanish Civil War was. Um, he was a nationalist. It's national socialism. Even Oswald Mosley in Britain said that fascism is fascism will take hold in certain countries, but it's going to have a different flavor because it's going to be a national it's going to be an it's a national ideology so um yeah i think that's one of the main pr problems that he had with marx and had with kautsky had with um that they had with them and also with uh trotsky especially because trotsky was the big internationalist um also i mean <laughs> he saw it as a he saw communism as a jewish ideology and it's kind of hard to you know, when you look at who wrote it, who promoted it, who it's kind of hard to, um, yeah, disagree with, you know, and yeah, it makes a lot of sense. yeah. And, you know, then there was like, um, and just to bring in the, um, another communist, another socialist that he didn't, that they burned the books of, they burned the books of Helen Keller. Okay. Well, well First of all, Helen Keller didn't write any books. Helen Keller had no thoughts of her own. Helen Keller was the pinball wizard. She was deaf, dumb, and blind. How stupid do you have to be to believe that this woman had thoughts of her own, expressed thoughts of her own, and wrote books? I mean, literally, how stupid are you? There was a woman named Anne Sullivan who was her, oh, she was her assistant. No, she was, basically, Anne Sullivan used this, deaf, dumb, and, you know, deaf, dumb, and blind girl from Alabama to promote communism, which is what Ann Sullivan was all about. And Helen Keller's writings just mysteriously stopped when Ann Sullivan died. It's amazing. Why would that happen? How did that happen? But Helen Keller was a promoter of socialism. And so they, um, she had, she published, um, Helen Keller published an open letter to German students in which she wrote, you may burn my books and the books of the best minds in Europe, but the ideas those books contain have passed through millions of channels and will go on. All right, Anne, thank you for writing that. And you're right, 100%. But still, the reason they burned Helen Keller's books is because they were promoting communism and socialism. So, yeah. So that's where the whole, you know, and right from the start, I mean, you know, you saw it, you know, Thomas talked a lot, Thomas 707 talked a lot about this in our series where you had you know, the KDP, 
in in Weimar, which was the Communist Party, you know, Communist Party of Germany. And they were trying to take over. Communists were they were flooding over the the borders from Russia. I mean, Russia was in the middle of the of this. Um, you know, they had just had the September uh, the October Revolution in 1917. Um, they went through their purge, and now it was like, oh, we have this weak country that's right next to us. Let's take them over. Let's go in there. So you know, and then you have famously have like these battles in the street between the National Socialists and the Communists, which um, the National Socialists did a really good job of winning. Ernst Rahm was one of those guys who would go out there, which is absolutely just was a, a commie killer. I mean, remember, these guys were World War One vets. They knew how to kill. They weren't. I mean, they just come from a campaign where they were killing. And these communists came over, you know, and it's the old meme. You know, it's like, you know, how many people have you killed? Like, I haven't killed anybody. I've only killed communists. You know, so yeah, I mean, communism was the, I mean, national socialism was a direct, the, the rise of fascism in Europe and fascism existed in Europe. Pretty much every country had a movement. Yeah. Everybody forgets about the Vichy who, when the Americans in world war II landed in Northern Africa, who were the first person to fire bullets at them? The French, the Vichy French which was the fascist French, the was the fascist party in France. Everyone had a, a fascist movement and fascism came into existence as a reaction to what they saw as communism was going to take over the peninsula. So that's their, that's their, their beef with communism, but no, no, it's just two authoritarians fighting over the same land, you know? So, okay. Whatever. Well, it, that's, it's interesting that you that you mentioned that, that everybody kind of had their own flavor of it um, at that time, because I think it was though on a, on a show that, uh, or at some time that he and I were talking said that uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does tend to rhyme. Like you're seeing that happening now in Europe, that every country seems to have its own like fascist movement that they're, they're all, they all have a, um, I guess they're being referred to as right-wing extremists or um, national populist, but it's, it's sort of the same thing. It's the, it's the very right-wing groups like, um, like Maloney's group in Italy. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a, there was a group in France that it, I was really surprised Macron won re-election. Zamora. He's talking about Zamora. Yeah. 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 Um, So you had the one in France, Sweden has had a, a, a huge yeah, national the, national populist kind of the national, like the national Democrats. I believe that's what they're called. Yeah. They've had a yeah. big uprising kind of taking place. Germany is also experiencing that again. Uh, like you're seeing it happening all over again. <laughs> just triggered of, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so Germany's having that again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just happening all over again, all across Europe. So that is really interesting. It's, it's kind of being, it's being triggered in a slightly different way, but not really entirely all that different. Uh, this this time around, it's being kind of forced by the massive influx of Middle Eastern immigrants that have just been dumped into all of these countries, especially in the the most populous areas of the countries. And it's really kind of it's really fucked with their their societal values and their culture. And mm-hmm. and that kind of goes back to to the book burning stuff, like. There was a huge subversion of culture following World War One that 
the U.S. probably had a huge part in, kind of like the U.S. has a huge part in the reason that all of these uh, Middle Eastern immigrants are being dumped into all of these. And when we say when we when we say U.S., let's call it what it is. It's Israel, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> at the at the behest of anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So so we're seeing you know we're seeing history playing itself back out in a, a very eerily similar fashion. Um, but like what what you had going on back then was a very sort of a similar thing happening in that a lot of these cultures were were being subverted and and one of the things that is most important to culture are the books. Um, so so we talked about the the communist books. Let's talk about the the transgender books and some of that stuff. You had posted the, there was the person that said like when they found out what they were burning, they realized how like that set back the trans community by so many years. Yeah. Yeah. So many years and all that stuff, which like for us, that's hilarious. And that's a great thing. Um, Like how do we do that again? Uh, I guess we'll find that out probably sometime in the next 10 years, but yeah. Well, the Institute for sexology was the brainchild of Magnus Hirschfeld. Thing. Um, they did transgender, they were doing transgender surgeries. It was a gay brothel. And, you know, there was just all this research, quote unquote, research he was putting into it. And really what we, we don't know exactly what was burned because they burned everything. I mean, they burned it all. And I mean, <laughs> It would have been hard not to, you know, it would have been like, I mean, let's burn the building down too, you know, <laughs> because it's just, let's not, let's not have a, let's not have any memory of this, but. Um, Go Old Testament style and just salt the earth after it's oh, all done yeah. with, oh, <laughs> which it's, probably yeah. would have been the best alternative. So from everything that I've read, I mean, Hirschfeld was, you know, I mean, like I said, it was a gay brothel. It was, there are pictures all over the internet of Hirschfeld with his. Um, you know, know, with the quote unquote patients and it's just, it's just wild, man. It is, you look at it and you're like, okay, they're all in black and white and you really wish the pictures were in color because they would look so much like so much of what we're seeing, you know, just plastered on Twitter and plastered on social media. Um, but they really have picked up on, um, what exactly that, you know, Apparently he apparently he was doing research and they want to know the research. There was like um so Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue, for those who don't know, is a communist drag. They promote open communism. They are, I mean, it it's some of their covers are just insane. Some of the stuff that they're openly just saying that we allow them to openly say, just frankly. I'm sorry. Um and that's the shit being promoted for teenagers. Like that's that's yeah, stuff yeah. they're trying to indoctrinate my kids yeah. into. So the, the title of one article was LGBTQ Institute in Germany was burned down by the Nazis. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, they, so yeah, yeah. They saw it as a, a corruption of their culture and I'm going to, I'm going to try and open the link here and um, let's see. Yeah. Let me just see if I can pull up some of this. And they show a picture of a typical, typical German, um, like looking over the books, a pile of books. We don't know, even know if this is in the um, in it, but in the actual institute. But um, said on January thirtieth, nineteen thirty three, Adolf Hitler was officially appointed Chancellor of Germany. 
his rise power usher, yada yada bullshit. Um, among those targeted by the Third Reich were lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. LGBTQ people would be sent to concentration camps alongside Jews, the disabled, and many more. Wow, you're talking about the disabled and many more? Gee, I usually only hear about one group. Um, but one of the first, one of the Nazis' first show of force against Germany's LGBTQ community was to, was an attack on information. On May 6, 1933, Nazi demonstrators raided the libraries of the Institute for Sexual Wissenschaft, a German name that roughly translates to the Institute of Sexology. The Institute was privately operated research space for studies of human sexuality. More than 20,000 books were taken from shelves and burned later, uh, burned days later in the streets by Nazi youth groups. So you just have to teach people from a young age exactly what needs to be done. Um, it was a devastating blow to the life's work of Magnus Hirschfeld, Ding, the Institute's founder. Hirschfeld, who was Jewish and gay, was a pioneer for rights and liberation in Berlin's thriving LGBT community. He founded the Institute in 1919 after beginning his career as an activist in 1896 with his pamphlet Sappho, Sappho and Socrates about a gay man who took his own life after he felt he was being coerced into straight marriage. So that's pretty much what they were dealing with. Jewish and, um, and gay. That sort of sums up today's United States, doesn't it? Um, well, who's, it seems like that's who's leading the, um, leading the dialogue and controlling the narrative. New York Times, anyone? Right. And um, so, you know, and then, you know, Time actually did an article back in... Ah, uh, what is this? Da, da, da. This is from April 7th of last year, 2021. Uh, why it took decades for LGBTQ stories to be included in Holocaust history. Well, the reason why you start seeing these stories coming out recently is, you know, is because, well, look who's taken over the narrative. The narrative is being controlled by the LGBTQ quote unquote community. Which is what less than one percent of the one percent of the population. I mean, the ones that are active, the ones who are pushing this, it's less than one percent of the population. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're basically if you want to see where this came from and why it's being why anyone who has anything bad to say or anyone who um, it criticizes what's going on, you know, having male gay kindergarten teachers trying to teach gay anal sex to, to students. Um, the reason why they're coming down so hard is because they know what's, they know from history exactly what happened the last time they tried this and they're trying to mitigate it. And it's, they're not going to be able to mitigate it. this is, I mean, I, I could see if it was going to stick with adults, but as soon as they went, as soon as they started targeting kids, which is what they always do, Sorry, a lot of people said that that um, promoting gay marriage it was always going to be a slippery slope to where we are right now, and um, looks like they were right. So um, it's very interesting to see them push this this hard because, you know, I mean, yeah, Trey Trey over here. So once you go after the kids, it's game over. I mean, it's just basically it's if they keep this up, it's going to build to a point where um, you're not 
you're not going to be able to hold people back anymore. You're not going to be able to hold parents back anymore. And to a certain extent, you have to talk about um, who, like, okay, you know, I've heard this argument, and you see this argument from libertarian retards, is that, well, if parents want to take their kids to, uh, if if a parent wants to take their five-year-old to a, a drag show, well, that's fine. It's up to the parent. And I'm like, okay, if a parent wants to sell their eight-year-old daughter into marriage to a 40-year-old man, that's fine, right? Oh, wait a minute. That's, how is that different? We're, are you saying that like a five-year-old seeing being exposed to drag queens, um, deviant sexuality is not going to... Teens being exposed to porn, adults being exposed to porn has been proven to damage their minds to damage their sexuality, to damage their view of the world. Well, that's like you mentioned the the food shortages and and the the actual like economic hardships that they were going through at that time, while also seeing a huge influx of and really flood of pornographic material. The, that's like modern US with all of the inflation going nuts, your food costs going through the roof, gas costs going through the roof, and literally every chick you know has an only fans mm-hmm. well well look <laughs> here at, we are well look at um so it, there's a reason porn is free on the internet okay like so there are tv shows there are movies that come out and you have to wait for them to be pirated you know it takes all this effort then you have to worry about downloading them and seeing if your ip gets flagged so you have all these you know, for a movie that comes out, but porn, I mean, porn is free. There's a reason porn is free on the internet. And people say, well, they can make it in their homes and everything. It's like, well, of course, that doesn't mean that. I mean, put it this way. If you want to, if we want to put out material that, you know, material they're suppressing, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that gets put out now that's just not going to... You put it on your YouTube, your YouTube gets taken down. Or the video gets taken down. You're telling me they couldn't do that with porn? You're telling me they don't have algorithms to... Um, they don't have algorithms to pick up whether something is porn or not? They have algorithms that could... If I play 10 seconds of a song in the middle of one of my episodes, they have algorithms to pick that up. They can't pick up whether it's porn and shut it down? There's a Facebook, reason. Facebook will pick it up Facebook will pick it up in real time and take you down midstream. I, mm-hmm. I've, luckily enough, YouTube is can be kind of slow on it from time to time. It's yeah, like yeah. It'll get taken down the day after. Facebook is Johnny on the fucking spot. They will take it down literally while you're in the middle of the stream. Uh, like they're, it's, it's insane. And it's for nothing more than a song clip or, you know, like a, a news article clip that is copyrighted by... Uh, like a certain news channel or something like it's it's crazy uh yeah. but but yeah the porn stuff what was it that just just came out recently um it was a, a big company a couple of them actually that were taking their advertising and stuff off of twitter because because their advertisements were showing up next to not only pornographic stuff but also like uh pedophilia ad, uh pedophilic stuff like yeah. they were like we're we're done. We're not advertising on Twitter anymore because our stuff is showing up next to all of this pornographic stuff that like, we don't agree with. 
Yeah. Uh, but none of that, none of that ever gets flagged or taken down. But yeah, if you say if you say the right uh, sequence of words on Twitter, your account will get suspended, if not entirely nuked, as you've found out multiple times. I was <laughs> I was saying this to a friend of mine the other day. Um, I've been to all corners of the internet. I've been on the dark web. I've been everywhere. There's only two places I've ever seen child porn: Twitter and Facebook. It's the only two places I've ever seen child porn. I and mean, if you report it, they don't do anything about it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there was a quote unquote libertarian who molested his daughter on Facebook Live a couple years ago. You tell me an algorithm can't pick that up? You tell me every, all of us who were, is, were really unfortunate to have witnessed that in real time who are reporting it that it couldn't be taken down immediately. But they'll take down one of my videos for 10 seconds of a song. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, uh, but um, yeah, so the Institute for Sexology, man, they leveled that thing. They also leveled, you know, I, I don't know if anybody knows the bout, uh, about Bauhaus. I think most people who know about Bauhaus know about the band. But, you know, Bauhaus was like an, artist, an art school and everything in um, in Germany. And they were hyper internationalist communist they they made art they made furniture and what's funny is their furniture was really bad but you can actually see a lot of their furniture now if you go to ikea <laughs> so much of it is ikea inspired and when they and when the national socialists take took over they shut that place down immediately and, and it was like what's funny is i was with a friend of mine in a um in a museum and they had this like huge library of art books and we found this art book about Bauhaus of a Bauhaus art book and it was like this thick I mean it was like three inches thick and we're just looking through it and we're like there's nothing like you can't look at it and go I mean this is porn or anything like that but you just look at it and go this is just for degenerates I mean it's like it's just the worst kind of I mean it's just crap and it's just there's nothing artistic about it it's like it's supposed to be it's, in my opinion what Bauhaus was supposed to be it was supposed to be um, like bland to the point of like nihilism, like we just didn't care anymore. It, it would give you that kind of um, give you that kind of idea. So yeah, that was another place that they shut down, and um, along with the institute for well, and that has interesting. Uh, that coincides interestingly with today's society. Like you see that that kind of stuff in in the art culture of today's society, and like. Uh, not just here in the United States, but across the world, like you have this gratuitous artistic stuff that it's, there's nothing artistic about it. Like it's just gratuitous, either violence or pornography. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to call it that because they, they are technically it's art, but what's the point of it other than to just be well, that to just well, be pornography well, really? What was Trey saying? Trey was saying they allow nude yoga on YouTube because it's artistic, quote unquote. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's another one of those crazy things is there. Um, Leighton, who is uh, like a friend of a friend of mine from the morning show, and, and I've been on his show a couple of times, Outlaw Thoughts. There's a video of his dad just getting crushed um, like at a gas station by a car. Like it, it is 
graphic the way he gets hit by a car and and that's that's considered youtube appropriate uh but like but you you know what isn't youtube appropriate um i don't know did you see the video of the 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 man dressed as a woman who showed up to meet a 13 year old and it was in colorado and it was um it was a and they're like questioning him um, yeah, they're basically waiting for the cops to show up and everything. And it's like this, I can't remember what they're called, something Colorado. I wrote a Substack on it and, um, they're not allowed to put that up on, that's not allowed to be on, um, YouTube, like outing videos. So let me see if I can, let me roll back real quick here and see if I can find it. It is now yeah, so gross. I mean, I was just. Because the guy is just, ugh. it's like, oh my god, I'm, I don't, I don't even know how to deal with this stuff anymore. It makes me want to puke. Trying to look for it. Trying to look for it. Um, well, that's it's kind of like, um, oh, here it is. It's um, so, yeah, it's they have to put. So it's the. It's the Colorado, uh, what, what are they called? Uh, here's my screen. Colorado Ped Patrol, P-E-D. And they, if they want to put on YouTube a video of them catching like a pedophile showing up to meet a girl, they have to put it, they have to mark it as an educational video or else it gets taken down. Because, you know, going after pedophile, apparently trying to take down pedophiles on your own yeah there's um the one that i can't remember let me see the history it's um ronnie tries to meet 13 year old to teach about sex in her in her truck quote unquote her yeah i mean and that is not allowed to be that's not allowed to be on uh youtube because you know you're just not allowed to see that and um <laughs> you know who are they <laughs> who are they trying to protect you know are they trying to protect 13 year olds yeah colorado magoo says colorado pet patrol um so <laughs> thanks google <laughs> thanks alphabet for doing everything you can to try not to you know and you know maybe they have an excuse of oh this person hasn't been tried yet you know this person's going to be found innocent but still you know well I, i'm I'm just so, mad they called the cops. <laughs> so that's kind of like, yeah, for real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll definitely get us taken down off of YouTube. Uh, <laughs> if I said that. Um, well, so like another thing that you've been seeing, I've been seeing it regularly here over the last few weeks is, and I talked about it on an on a episode this past week on my show. Anything that you post about Hunter Biden is getting removed from YouTube as sexual content as a uh, violates YouTube or not YouTube um, Facebook. It violates Facebook's community guidelines on sexual content. Uh, there are like stuff that's critical of Joe Biden is being mm-hmm. taken down as a violation of of uh, community guidelines. Uh, like I had a I had a meme that was it was just a picture of Obama with a direct Obama quote that said that said never underestimate Joe's ability to fuck stuff up. <laughs> that, I've I've had that posted for over a year and it got removed for a violation of community content or uh, community guidelines. And I, I challenged it and they put it back up. 
but like they're going through and they're removing all of that stuff. Like anything that that doesn't toe the line of being fully on board with and not critic like if you criticize the administration in any way, that stuff's getting removed. And yet stuff that's like pro pedophilia, stuff that's pro um top surgeries or whatever they're wanting to call it now with right. uh, like all of that stuff is perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. And like people are confused as to why there was a popular rise in Nazism right. in the in the 30s. Like why there was a a rise of national fascism in in the 20s and 30s across Europe. Like when you look historically at what's going on now and what they were doing then, uh, it it makes a lot of sense. But like for some reason, especially on the topic of the book burnings, like you never, you will never ever hear any of this stuff in a regular classroom, college, right. high school, elementary school, middle school, none of it. They will never tell you what was actually being burned. Right. Well, you know, and but something else that you will hear and you will see and is clearly taught in colleges and talked about in high school is um, Freud, Sigmund Freud. And there, those are other books that they, um, that they burned. And you know, I think that <laughs> the, the greatest takedown of Freud came from Yaki, from Francis Parker Yaki in, um, in Imperium. He says, um, it is both needless and impossible to refute Freudianism. If everything is sex, a refutation of Freudianism, would also be sexual insignificance. The 20th century does not approach phenomena that is that have become historical by asking whether they are true or false. To its historical way of thinking, a Gothic cathedral is an expression of the intensely religious, newly awakened young Western culture, which shadows forth the striving nature of the culture soul. In its necessity for self-expression, however, the new outlook must reject the materialistic tyranny of the old immediately preceding its outlook. It must free itself also from Freudianism. The last great attempt to animalize man also uses critical rationalist methods. The soul is mechanical. It consists of one single impulse, the sexual instinct. The whole life of the soul is the process of the instinct getting misdirected, twisted, turned upon itself. For it is, it is elemental to this science that this, that, that this instinct cannot go correctly. To describe the mechanical functions of the soul is to describe diseases. The various processes are processes are neurosis, inversion, complexes, repression, sublimate, uh, sublimation, transference, perversion. All are abnormal, unhealthy, misdirected, unnatural. As one of its absendiary, absendarian truths, the system states that every person is a neurotic and every neurotic is a pervert or invert. This applies not only to culture man, but to primitive man as well. And this is the most important part. Here, Freud surpasses Rousseau, who at the beginning of the early civilization phase of the West affirmed the purity, simplicity, and soul heart, soul healthiness of the savage in contrast to the wickedness and perversion of culture man. Freud has widened the attack. The whole human species is the enemy. Even if one did not know from all other phenomena that the early Christian phase of materialism and rationalism had closed, one would know from his system, from this system alone, for such nihilism is obviously not to be sur surpassed, expressing as it does anti-cultural feeling to its uttermost limits. As a psychology, 
it must be called it must be called a pathopsychology for its whole arsenal of terms describe only aberrations of the sexual instinct the notion of health is completely completely disassociated from the soul life freudianism is the black mass of western science this is why they that is why they burned freud's books because he if everything is reduced down to sex, everything is going to become about, about sex. And if everything is an aberration, then we're all aberrations. And we are not all aberrations. We are, cult, we are people who are called to promote a pure culture, a, a culture uh, where um, a culture where human flourishing can thrive. Human flourishing cannot thrive in a culture of deviancy. And for him to call it the black mass of let's say, the black mass of Western science, I mean, it's it's so perfect. And this is truly why they why the Nazis burned Freud and had to burn Freud. And what's really funny is um, if you look, I think Hitler was actually living in the early 1900s before the war in um, Vienna. What Freud was there, and I think there was a bunch of I think Mussolini was there, and I think um, Mises was there. So everybody was, everybody knew about all of this, you know, and um, man, it's just, I mean, the fact that we have, you know, like Freud people, like there, we have a whole Western science, a science in this country that's based upon the teachings of Freud really <sighs> tells you why, you know, a lot of people think that this culture is beyond redemption. <laughs> On the topic of Freud and kind of tying it back to modern day stuff, I, I don't know if you've seen it as much or not. Um, we've talked about it on the morning show that I do a little bit. There have been a number of different articles through some of the some of the rags that I like to read them just to see what what that side of the aisle is having conversations about. Um, but there's been a lot of stuff talk that talks about uh, like incestuous types of relationships. You had the the sisters, but like biological sisters who were dating. How they couldn't look at each other and figure out that they were biological sisters right off the bat was. Uh, confusing as shit to me because they look like fucking twins. But even after they found out that they had the same father, we're going to continue dating. You had, you've got uh, an article. Where did that come from? I want to say it was from Salon, but I could be wrong. That talked about this chick having a sexual relationship with her long lost father and not like accidental. Like she knew he was her father and still engaged in that relationship. Like you see these types of stories, not only becoming more prevalent, but becoming more normalized and mm -hmm. like removing some of the, the taboo type of nature of them. Um, does some of that tie back into Freud and some of the other, uh, like the sexology stuff from early, those early German days? Well, yeah, I mean, it was all sought to pervert the, um, you know, to pervert the culture. And, you know, you have to start, the easiest way to pervert the culture is to, con is to convince people that they're perverts. 
mean, it can't get more simple than that, you know? And so um, when chicken or the egg, you know, does, does somebody like, I mean, and it looks like Hirschfeld was, you know, writing things in the 18, you know, in the late 1800s and last decade of the 1800s that um, would have definitely lent itself more to would have pointed towards Freud. And yeah, I mean, I just don't know how any of this can be divorced. It's just, you know, I, I, I can't 100% put a, you know, draw a parallel, but it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like coincidence anymore, especially when all these people were basically living in the same area of Europe. You know, it's like, I know you didn't have the internet and everything, but they were, but people had a good, um, people had a way of communicating with each other and, you know, they would travel to see each other. Can you imagine if you, if you're, you know, this pervert living in the 1890s and you find out that, oh, there's this pervert in Vienna who, you know, is writing on basically the same things. You're going to do everything you can to just, make that train ride or whatever buggy ride i mean think about how much time the founding fathers spent in europe after the founding of the country like these people didn't have or these people had the ability to to go and hang out with each other and meet each other and, Mm -hmm. and engage with each other maybe even in ways more uh more intimate and meaningful than what we do in modern society like there's Mm-hmm. There's definitely a certain level of disconnect of us having this conversation on Streamyard versus versus us having this conversation in person. Which you know, I've been lucky that with you and Buck and a lot of others, like I've gotten to go and meet you in person and hang out and, and have these kinds of conversations and stuff. And that, that there's a, a there's a hugely different level of that. They were just getting all of that. Like they weren't having these uh, you know through a screen type of thing. They they did they did theirs either handwritten letter or actually going and, and spending time with each other, each other. So yeah, like uh, it, ideas and information and stuff were getting passed at that time and, and probably in a more meaningful and uh, sustaining way than what, yeah. well, than what the internet provides. Yeah. Something that could, um, I mean, when you get together with somebody, you look them in the eye, have a couple of drinks and you really start getting talking and you start writing stuff down um, that bears a lot more fruit than having a conversation. I mean, this is, it's easily for me to get distracted. My phone's buzzing, all this, you know, I'm, I can miss things that, that you said, and, and who knows if I'll re-listen to this over and over again, or if I'll re-listen to this again. But you know, when you're there and, you know, especially they had people who took notes. I mean, people don't realize that, that they had scribes who were writing things down. If like two important people were meeting, um, yeah. The um, one other, I think that this was, um, you know, in looking at, especially as something for today with Roe v. Wade being overturned this year, which I think is a huge thing. I mean, no one called that. No one called that that was going to happen. No one ever thought that was going to happen. I, I've been saying um, for two years since since the left went like batshit about Trump appointing conservative justices and everything. It's like they will never, ever ever hear it much less overturn it like you were mm-hmm. you are completely insane it's not going to happen that's not that's one of those like you do not touch items like they'll do everything else but they'll never go after that and and then they fucking did it <laughs> yeah well yeah you know you know who else's books they burned <laughs> M- margaret sanger 
the founder of Planned Parenthood. Basically, the the person who was most responsible for pushing abortion in this country. So let me read you a little. Um, this is from March 16th, 1932. And um, it's from somebody's diary. It says, finally, we come to number 218, a law against abortion. The leader takes a, the stand on this subject, as does very decent men. The kind, the kind of th this kind of thing must not be allowed to spread of to spread, or it will become a national evil. That is from the diaries of Joseph Goebbels, talking about how Hitler has instituted a law against abortion. So, why would you know? Is talking about a law against abortion? He hasn't taken power yet, but that's one of the things that he has planned for when you know they win in nineteen thirty three. So Mar Margaret Sanger, a, you know, somebody who was out there openly promoting promoting uh, abortion, eugenics. Wait a minute they they burned the books of a eugenicist. Why would they do that? Aren't they like the arch eugenicist of all time? But no, it was, he promoted a law, and as as Goebbels pointed out here, and Goebbels diaries are. Nobody questions Goebbels' diaries because they were they were captured by the Soviets at the end of the war, and the Soviets held on to them for a long time. And it wasn't until David Irving went to Moscow that and he asked, he's like, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, here you go. It's like, okay, okay. Now the early ones are hard to find. You can find the war the war years anywhere, but the ones from the early ones that are really are one of the best sources on what Weimar was really like, the degeneracy and the depravity and everything. But um, yeah, so they burned Margaret Sanger's books and Archie Genesis in the United States because they were, you know, the fear was against abortion. <laughs> All the things that subvert the nuclear family, that subvert having a strong community, strong culture, having a society that's based around um, around that community and culture. Like all of these things were the things that were prevalent in that time that led up to really the just complete degradation and degeneracy of that era that then launched into the rise of the National Socialists. Mm -hmm. And then people said, and, and then one day for no reason at all. <laughs> but Mark Metz and I are going to do a follow up on this tomorrow morning at at, uh, at ten Eastern, oh, and we're going to talk about talk. We're going to talk about some of the stuff. Um, I don't know if you saw it. There was a, a quote from Hillary a few weeks ago, Hillary Clinton, uh, where she said she, as a child, she didn't understand watching these videos from like Nazi Germany and the speeches and everything. And she just didn't understand how people sh could get so on board with that and be so uh, like so brainwashed by that. And then she watches these Trump rallies and she just sees the same thing happening. It's like, well, bitch, obviously you're not a very good student of history because if you look at the things that were happening then and you look at the things that are happening now, there are some very significant parallels. And, and I'm like the people who don't know history or who don't want the average American to know that history. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously they're going to 
play confused. But the, the ones who understand it, they're the ones who are trying to subvert it and keep it buried because there was something very seriously wrong with, with that culture. And there was a, yeah. a very significant reason why this sort of thing happened. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and well, it, you just you just keep going and you look at the names of the, I mean, there are so many books that they burn, but there are so many of them were by um, authors that we don't know about. They were author, a lot of authors in Germany, a lot of Russian authors who were living in Germany, a lot of Russians. Um, Albert Einstein. What? Talk about anti-science. Why would they, Albert Einstein, one of the greatest minds of all time. Here's the proof that they were anti-science even though they basically started NASA um, and ran it for a long time. Maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. Albert Einstein was a firm advocate of global federalism and world law. He was a globalist who had a quote that said, nationalism is an infantile disease. It is the measles of mankind. Okay. So if, if the German, if if the National Socialists wanted to take over the world, they were you know just waiting to watch all these dominoes fall and take over every country. Um, why would they hate somebody who was a firm advocate of global federalism and world law, and somebody who put down nationalism all the time? Um, maybe because ding. Well, that could be it, but I mean, it also could be it. I mean, it's like, why does he believe what he believes? But anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at this and I'm like, okay, so they burned Albert Einstein's books. And why? He, was, he wanted a global, he, he wanted a world government. He wanted a new world order, world law. He thought nationalism was wrong. And that nationalism quote is from 1928. So yeah, he, he thought that, he had problems with nationalism before, you know, the National Socialists ever took power. So oh, I wonder why they would why they would do that. You know, and then like um, another. Well, when we talked about communists in the beginning, um, I, for, I forgot one arch communist, Rosa Luxemburg, Rosa, famous, famous communist, um, said social democracy is the only advanced guard of the proletariat, a small piece of the total working mass. Blood from their blood and fresh flesh from their flesh. It's just pure Leninism. You know, it's just, I mean, they they hated communists. Oh, no, but this was a fight over totalitarians who want to just... H.G. Wells, the guy who wrote The Time Machine? What? Why would you have a problem with H.G. Wells? Who wrote a four-volume set on um, basically his view of history and how it all leads to progressivism and it leads to what we have today. And, you know, who also was famous for saying moral indignation is jealousy with a halo. So if you have moral indignation for seeing a child, seeing a child be, you know, a, a child being subjected to, um, you know, being a five-year-old being taught about, you know, gay anal sex. That's just moral. It's just jealousy with a halo. Really? Not sure about that, buddy. I think that 
people can have more. I'm sure H.G. Wells had moral indignation against people who spoke out against immorality. (laughs) I'm sure he had problems with problems with them. That's the greatest thing about leftists and progressives in general, and especially the looniest leftists of all time, is that you know they their moral indignation for people who don't agree with them and it's like okay um you know and saying that well what you believe is is just wrong but if you turn around and go well i think what you believe is wrong then what you're this is why this is why people who think like us have to get in power, man. <laughs> it is just it's, it's absolutely insane to think that we could just deal that we're, we're dealing with this. Well, and that's and, kind of the topic of my Substack uh, piece that I did today. I, I talk about the uh, like the not my Jesus crowd, the like the buddy Jesus Christians that think everything should just be like as long as you're happy, then you're good, and like that Jesus never <laughs> Jesus never told anybody to like stop being a fucking degenerate and get your life straight and, you know, get right with God. Like those types of Christians. Like I, I talked about that in my, my sub stack. It's like, like these it, are the people that, uh, that are, unfortunately, these are the people that are kind of driving culture these days is the ones who, um, the only moral outrage is if you are, if you are morally outraged by something that is like clearly not good, then you're the bigot. It's hmm? it's never it's never a problem if it's something that is like there are definitely black and white wrong and right things mm-hmm. in culture and society. But as far as as far as the extremely progressive types are concerned, the only thing that's bad about that is if you say that it's bad. It's there is no yeah. bad except for you calling something bad. Yeah. As soon as you criticize them, you know, um, yeah, I've basically run out of authors and everything. But, you know, what I would like to say is that you know, the first two laws that were passed in when the when the National Socialists took over um, and you, you can see this. I saw this on a video that was put out by a rabbi. A rabbi was talking about this, was talking about he was saying, hey, the reason why the National Socialists rose to power was because our people did a lot of things. (laughs) And the first two laws in the National Socialist Pass were a law outlawing outlawing pornography and outlawing interest, usury. Just let that sink in. Let it sink in the two things that they needed to get rid of first. And think about what our society today is infested with and the financial system is run upon. <laughs> the, uh, like, like I said, from, from throw, throw earlier, you know, history may not repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. And we are seeing we are seeing the rhymes come pretty close to, to re- repetition here over the, over the last few years. And, and going forward, um, the way it's going to keep going is, I don't know if I'm glad to live through this era or not, but it's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> I, weird. I wonder about that too. You know, as a student of history, as someone who loves history, yeah. um, you know, I'm very 
I'm, there's a part of me that's very happy to be alive right now because, you know, this is, this is an amazing point in history, you know, like, um, oh, sure, we've seen it before. And, um, but, you know, of course, in, in the context, it's so much worse when you have, uh, when you have the, um, the internet and things can be just, I mean, degeneracy and just, I mean, absolute perversions can be shared in, in a millisecond. That's like you and, read you read about, you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah and you read about the the decline of the Roman Empire and the stuff that was happening during all of that. And 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 for those of us who you know don't just subscribe to whatever you're taught in high school and elementary school and and even college with the you know with the twenties and thirties and the things that were going on post or uh, after World War One, like you can read about that stuff and, and like you can know it, but when you see it playing itself out in real time, it's it's something entirely different. I, like, I guess if nothing else, I'm glad that I get to be a part of this with my children so that I can talk to them about the stuff that's yeah. happening now. And I can talk to them about the stuff that, that was happening then and draw the parallels and and bring them along to look at it and be like, maybe we should be thinking about this stuff maybe we should be critical of the stuff that's going on now maybe we should think a little bit differently about the stuff that went on then um my my son the other day he said so are you a nazi i was like mm, like nazi adjacent maybe i don't know like no i don't i think they might have taken some steps too far at a certain point but like if you understand the history of it and where it came from and why it why it came to power like it's hard to look at that and say that was wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe what happened 10 or so years later was wrong, but where it, where foundationally it came from, there are a lot of parallels that we really need to be learning lessons from that, that those lessons are really being suppressed. And, and at least I get to be a part of this, like with my kids so they can uh, learn something out of it and maybe see, see some truth in what's going on in society. Like my daughter referred to their, uh, the situation in their middle school is like half the kids are fake, uh, fake, gay or trans. Like she she acknowledges that it's all fake, like they're doing it for attention and it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. like at least she like she can see what's happening and acknowledge that it's a a societal and a cultural thing and that all of it is completely fake and bullshit. It's not real. Uh, and whereas other kids like. They don't see that. They, they think it's legit. So maybe I am having some sort of a positive influence on my kids and radicalizing well, them a little bit. I mean, at this point, all I know how to do is just keep reporting on this. Um, you know, I was talking with my girlfriend over lunch and we're like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I don't know what else to do at this point. You know, it's like, I mean, it's just put as much information out there, you know, and I, yeah, I told her, I said, I really wish that I could have a sports podcast. I would love to just like talk about sports and, you know, just you know, do, I mean, look at, I mean, I grew up across the street from Yankee stadium and I would love to talk about, you know, the, the year Aaron judge is having this, you know, phenomenal year and what, and what the Yankees are doing being in the first place. And now they're going to win the president's trophy and probably get knocked out in the first round. But the, um, but no, that's, I can't, 
I mean, it's not, I won't even do it part time. I mean, if someone wants to invite me on a podcast to talk sports, I'll do it. That'd I was about fun. to say, you but should, not, uh, you should definitely I, join us on clock management some week. And problem, we don't talk about baseball at all. And that, that's something that I would like to talk about. So, but the, yeah, the problem is, is I just don't follow anymore. I just don't have the, I don't have the time to follow the news. I like literally get almost all my news off of Twitter. I, it's like, I, I look and see what, what's trending on Twitter. And that's what I go to. And, you know, and then, of course, once you see it on Twitter, then you're going to have to go find the real, you know, if I want, um, if if I want to hear about Ukraine, I'm going to listen to Tom Luongo or I'm going to listen to, <laughs> I know I saw Magoo. <laughs> um, if, if I'm going to, if I want to hear about Ukraine, I'm going to go to, you know, um, Ryan Dawson or, or Tom Luongo or someone like that, you know, Ben, Ben Abelow, who I just had on my, on my podcast. Um, but you know, it's, what else do you, I mean, I just don't know what else to do at this point because it's getting, it's going to get bad, you know? And I know I've said this for a, for a while now, but man, get the hell out of cities. I know that you're out of, you're out of a city, you're way out of a city. Um, you know, being in a college town, sometimes I worry a little bit, you know, I'm talking, we're actually talking about, okay, what do we need? Okay. Um, 15 minutes from an urgent care clinic um good internet and two hours from a uh two hours from an airport okay that's what that's what we need okay let's let's figure this out you know but you know get the hell away from cities at this point i mean they are ground zero for this crap and i say we're a little bit further out. we're like 30 minutes from a, a good hospital about three hours from an airport and uh the internet is average at best <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I I would love to, but it's, I'm, I'm spending so much time researching, trying to look at history, trying to figure out what's what's happening now, and figure out um figure out how to. F I I don't think it can be stopped at a large scale level, but I think it can be stopped at, in in locales in localities. Um, yeah, I was. This is the third podcast I've done in three days, being on somebody else's podcast. And it always came back to even the first two about local, that if you strengthen, you can strengthen local, but um, even worrying about state, even county sometimes, it's just like, just take care of, take care of yourself first, your family, local. If we can get some kind of movement going and get enough localities that will, um, you know, come together and share information, share um, whatever, then maybe we can start branching out. But I don't know, man. I look at the Nazi book burnings and I'm like, you know, if anybody wants, here's what I want to do. I want to put together a library of these books. I don't want these books burned. So anyone who has a copy of Anti-Racist Baby or any of this crap, any of this queer theory stuff, um, P.O. Box 832. Auburn, Alabama, 36831. S send me any of those books you have that you want, and I will just, I will put them somewhere where no one will find them so that when it comes down to it, and it comes back to that time when action is going to be taken, we will have the evidence of why, <laughs> why it was done. Because um, book burnings can't, we can't burn books now. We can't. Uh, we have to keep this for, we have to be able to show the future exactly what was happening now. Yeah, the fact that we 
we know what they were burning, but we don't know what they were burning. Like we don't have that content to be yeah. like, look, look, these are these are the books that that y'all are criticizing red states for banning in schools. And these are the things that the Nazis were burning. Look at the like look at the similarities. Like the fact mm-hmm. that we can't do that is kind of a like yeah. that's, that's a crime against history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pete, this has been everything I hoped it would be. Um give all your <laughs> maximum maximum weep. <laughs> my copy of White Fragility is next to my copy of Mein Kampf. Robin D'Angelo is far more racist and far less impressive than Adolf. <laughs> not lying either that's there's a lot of fact in that thank you again for coming on this has been everything i hoped it would be for everybody listening be sure to to check back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m eastern time 9 central where mark metz and i are going to do a follow-up and we're going to talk a little more uh strict history on how did how did we get from world war ii to the rise of the nazi regime and how that kind of compares to some shit that's going on in today's uh, society. Pete, give all your plugs and we'll call it a show. The Pete Canetta show still on YouTube, all podcatchers of uh, the Pete Substack.com. I try to talk about as much of this culture war stuff as I can just keep it in people's, even though I might not cover it on the, on the podcast all the time. I want people to realize it's out there. And there are a lot of people who say that, you know, we shouldn't even be talking about the culture war and, you know, um, their their degeneracy is their power and to address it. Yada, yada, go fuck yourselves. Um, And um, if you want to support my work, um, freemanbeyondthewall.com forward slash support. Thank you, Justin. Highly recommend all of that. (laughs) Thanks, Justin. Thank you, Pete. And for everybody watching and listening, be sure to tune back in tomorrow. And then again, uh, I've got a whole bunch of shit coming up over the next week or so. So uh, I will post all of that on Twitter and Facebook here pretty soon. So anything that you might be interested in, you can check out. In the meantime, hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And I will see you on tomorrow. Later. Don't forget to head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check out our longest and most favorite sponsor, Carlos Vanessa Abelar and Paloma Verde CBD. Get all of your CBD needs, and you get 10% off your order of $75 or more, plus anything over $75 is free shipping. So head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com to get all your CBD needs. Have a good week, everybody.